All I'm saying is just underscores. Like I, I can't count them, you know, because when you got it's a, not that many underscores. It's like is it? It's it's just two underscores. J, two underscores because J underscore was already taken. J underscore underscore Murphy underscore underscore. That's four. I understand that, but you were putting like when you were making fun of me, you were putting a bunch in between the J and the Murphy. There's just two. It looks like a straight line. Because you can count letters. Okay, all underscores look like a straight line. It's just how long is the line. It's just ever since I, I try to look you up on Instagram to tag you and stuff, and I'm like, Jay, is it underscore, underscore, underscore? Well, you could use Instagram or whatever you're trying to tag me in, like a fucking <laughs> person who knows how to use technology and just type my name in, and it'll pull me. Anyways, guys, if you want to follow uh, John Murphy on MySpace, oh it's J underscore, 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 Murphy, underscore, underscore, the real comedian comic official. <laughs> it's just J Murphy. Underscore. <laughs> it's just J, it's just J Murphy. You know what? I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. After this, I'm going to change it to Travis is a fucking bitch. I bet that's underscore, 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 underscore. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to Opening the Mic. It's a weekly podcast with two aspiring comedians. We're going to take you with us on our journey from open micers to hopefully real deal official comedians. I'm Travis Stevenson. And I'm John Murphy. And we thought the world needed another podcast, especially one by two middle-aged white dudes, you know? Talking about themselves, you know? That's, yeah. There's not <laughs> enough of those. We need to feel like the market wasn't saturated enough. So anyway, last episode, we talked a lot about ourselves, like who we are, what where we came from, what, what we wanted to do with this podcast, yeah, where the podcast was going. So before everybody starts taking us too terribly seriously, I think we need to point out how very new at this whole thing we are talk a little bit about maybe our local scene and where we're at now versus what we'd like to do at some point. So, well, it's been an eventful two months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I finished the, I took a class. It was a two month long class and, uh, I didn't go up until like week three of that class. So right. I officially did like, I've been on stage for two months as of a couple days ago. And, uh, I've done a bunch of open mics. I've done a couple improv shows that they've had there. I've opened for a couple t touring comedians, and I got to be the feature spot in one, too, so that was kind of cool. Uh, I think it's more or less they just needed people, not like I was qualified to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I think we've written... <laughs> you're like, I just totally agree yeah, with yeah, well, I mean, you. Yeah, no, it's not that you're good. It's <laughs> so, like, I think we've... I've written, like, 20 shitty minutes. Right. I might have, like, three... A tight three, but I've got, like... I think you've got a, I think you've got a super tight ten. I think just based off of trying to remember everything you've done, I think you've got a super tight 10. I think you've got a tight 15 and a real loose 20. Yeah. That's how I would do it. Loose 20. That was and my nickname in high school. <laughs> so I think what is your situation? Like, cause we've done about the same amount of shows. Nah, yeah, actually, no, you've done a lot more than me. That's right. Cause point. I got, cause asked you to do, do those weekend, features and yeah. all that stuff, which by the way, I, I know we're going to hear it already, but before we even hear it, I know that that's not how it normally goes. Normally, two months into doing stand up, you're not getting feature spots. You're still trying to suck the club owner's dick just to be to like, let you use the bathroom yeah. so that you can walk by someone who does comedy. Like I get that, I know, but so we got really lucky with our local scene. It's the scene. That's 100 yeah. percent what it is. My my situation is similar to yours. I didn't take the class that you took, and I went up and did an open mic. I think the second time you went up was my first time. Uh, you've done some of those feature spots and shit that I haven't got to do yet, but. Um, total stage time. What do you think your total stage time is right now? Well, it, it went up a lot because I did four shows that weekend the last time I was up. So before that, it might have right. been 40 minutes on stage because it's five each time. And then now I've probably been on stage over an hour at least. Yeah, I'd say you've got to, I, I think I'm still at half hour. 
I think I've yeah. I think I think I've got thirty minutes or less actual stage time because it's five minute spots. I've only done fives. You've done some extra time too. You've got to do a ten minute and a couple of like ten to fifteens, right? Yeah, well, there was this one late show that I got. You know, I was supposed to do eight, and I was like, "Hey, man, if I if it's a late show, it's the last show. Like, if I do, if I I want to do this bit and this bit, but that's gonna put me over by right. like a minute. And then I go up there and I started just feeling myself, <laughs> might have been a little tipsy, started talking <laughs> with the crowd. And I recorded it. When I got off, I was like, fuck, that was 13 minutes. I was like, whoops. Did he say anything to you? Nope. You're totally cool with it? Well, then you're fine. Yeah. I think I, I next time do 14. I was yeah. like, I want it. Because like, that's something that in a lot of clubs, that when they tell you to do eight, they want eight. They don't want you to go six. They don't want you to go nine. Yeah. They want it to be eight. Because they've got everything running on a schedule from like what they've build the show as to what you know people are expecting and they don't want the show to end early and they don't want it to run long either right so it's very professional if you can do the time you're asked to do yeah so that's why when they told me to do eight i was like okay i gotta hit eight i was like fuck i was in this weird spot though where it's like it's gonna be about seven unless i like slow it down and take some time or if i add in another bit in my head i'm like i know this is gonna be nine or ten minutes yeah but then i just really started feeling myself <laughs> well, talking I mean, to the audience was, i mean they were laughing right I yeah. didn't get to go to that show, but it sounded like it went well from what everybody said. So. A ton of fun. So we got pretty lucky with our local club scene. Basically, oh, yeah. we have a comedian from Boston. He did the whole Boston circuit, did a bunch of you know touring up and around there. And him and his wife basically sold everything, bought an RV, and they were going to just start traveling the country doing comedy. COVID hits. They're visiting her family who lives in the small town we do. Right. Kind of get stuck here. And he's like, well, shit, while we're here. Might as well open, open a up a club. comedy which sounds like a terrible business plan, but I'm so glad he did it. So you just go into a random town that you get stranded in. It's like, you know what? We'll just open a club here randomly. I mean, I'm sure there was more thought that went into it, but that's basically how he describes it. I'm so glad he did, though, because I don't think without him doing that, either of us would be on stage right now. No, and he does it well, too, because he's done so many open mics and been to so many clubs. Yeah. Like, he knows what to expect. So he's, it's set up really nice. The aesthetic of the club is cool. The shows that they put on are really cool. And uh, everyone I've talked to that comes through there that does the open mic scene or does the tour, it goes to different clubs or whatever. Every single one of them is like, you guys have it so lucky here. Like it's ran well. It's ran by a comic so that they know like the, the shitty parts about it and the good parts about it. So everyone I've talked to that's like, does it other places in the state or whatever, even if they're still semi-local, they're like, this is definitely the best ran one of these things. And so, we've got another comedy club coming in as well. Yep. It's like, they're having to make it like a restaurant because we live on the Virginia-Tennessee border. So with liquor laws to get their license, they had to be a restaurant. So yeah. it's, um, we Which haven't done it. looks good as shit. It looks cool. It's, it doesn't <laughs> did you see the, feel Did you see like their it, chicken and waffles? Yeah, it looked good. Uh, it's red velvet waffles. What the fuck? I'm a chicken and waffle fan. Mm-hmm. Anyway. He, uh, we haven't been there yet. No, you're going to be doing it. Thursday. Yep. I'm going to be doing it. What is today? Yeah. Like the day after tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. We'll report back to you. Yeah. I don't know. Just all I literally know about, I've never stepped foot in the building. All I know is based on Instagram pictures or whatever. It's definitely a much bigger room as far as not bigger as in like a higher ranking, but bigger as in square Just footage. Space, yeah. yeah. It definitely from pictures looks massive, which is a little unnerving. So but it's awesome that we went from like, Basically, you'd have to drive an hour and a half, two hours to get to a place to do comedy to now two clubs within two clubs within walking distance. Yeah, they're literally a couple hundred yards and it apart. It was really crazy because I travel for work. Like I drive all over up and down like, you know, the state and uh-huh. East Coast a little bit. So I've looked in like 
you know, DC and Richmond and, you know, a lot of those bigger cities on the coast there in, in that area and like Baltimore. And they've got a ton of comedy clubs, but if you're trying to find just an open mic, it's usually like a brewery or right. some restaurant. Not a comedy club. No. The That's the other thing I like, think we're super lucky about is yeah. the fact that our comedy club is that. Yeah. It's a dedicated comedy club. So it's not like you're going to have to compete with some guy playing his acoustic guitar or whatever. Right. Like that's a, I think that's a huge deal that we're lucky I've, for and don't even realize. I've that. wanted to, as I'm traveling, like just go out and hit one of these things, but I chicken out cause it's like, come to Bob's pizzeria and try to make people laugh as they're eating their fucking, you know, their deep dish. I'm yeah. like, I, I don't know if I can make, I just, I don't know. I'm, I, I feel like I'm out of my comfort zone. If I'm following a dude doing like snap slam poetry or whatever. Yeah. And then I've got to get up and try to tell dick jokes. Well, I mean, also, a, a lot of it comes from the crowd knowing what they're there for. Yeah. Like, that's the I, It's like, I thing. came for pizza and beer. I didn't come for, like, this dude to try to work on his right. act. Everyone who's sitting in a crowd at a comedy club is there to laugh at least. So they're at least open to the idea of laughter. As opposed to if half of the people that came are there to watch their buddy do slam poetry or watch this guy do a song or watch somebody juggle chainsaws or what the fuck ever they're getting involved in, if the people there are are strictly focused on comedy, it's going to be a warmer room just by nature, which helps a ton, I think. Because if you're trying to make people laugh who aren't even there to laugh, it's even harder, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Never done it. I mean, I've, we're still I've tried to get babies. on these open mics at these comedy clubs, and it's like, oh, it's an open mic. That means it's open. Yeah, you know, no. you get to come up and do it. Like, no, we need a 10-minute video yeah. of your material. We need recommendations. Mm -hmm. We need a headshot. Yeah. And, you know, we need to see your, like, STD vaccinations or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we need not, a clean AIDS test. Thought we were open here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's literally how our open mic works, which, obviously, we're not a comedy town. You know, we're not New York or L.A. or any of that shit. So, our open mic is legit an open mic. Anybody, Anybody walks in the it. door, there's a notebook sitting on a desk, and you just walk up and write your name down, and he'll announce it, and you go tell jokes. Dude, and sometimes that'll bite you in the ass, yeah, too. Buddy. Yeah, we've got some <laughs> horror stories. Well, that's going to have to be a whole episode yeah. is just where we talk about. Even in the short two months we've been there, we have seen some shit. So boy. shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Because it's like a real warm room. Like, you can go up there and be ass, like not say a funny thing. But as long as you're happy to be there, people will laugh. Yeah. And that's you, that's another cool thing he does, which, I mean, it sounds like, I don't know, it sounds almost like like cheating or hacky or I don't know. I don't know what to call it. I don't know what the, the word is for it, but it seems almost unfair because he walks up and before anybody does any jokes, he does his little bit. And he's like, Hey, everybody's working on new material here. Uh, you know, some of these people might be up for the first time. Some people might be something brand new they're trying out. So be more generous with your laughs than you normally would. And he just primes the audience to like, Hey, laugh no matter what, which could, I guess be a bad thing. Cause you don't really know some of your material if it's as good as you think it is, but it is so helpful starting out and being like shit and razor blades scared, like shaking your ass off and then going up there and knowing that they're going to at least laugh if it's remotely funny. It also to me feels like, because we live in an area where people are like, I was raised right. So I'm going to have to be yeah, nice. Got to be polite. As opposed to being up in like Boston where like, fuck you, make me laugh. Yeah. Bitch. Dance monkey. <laughs> you know? If you're not hilarious, they're not going to give it to you, which also makes a better comic, I bet, at the yeah. end. Like, I bet you the people who come out of that scene are going to be funnier yeah. than the people who come out of something like what we're in. So I speaking of that, like, do you want to, like, is that, where do, what is your goal? Like, where do you want to take this? Because, I mean, we've not even really talked about it because yeah. it's been like, we just started, yeah. we're in the middle of it, and I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, our goal to begin with was do it. Yeah. Now we've done it. So I, no. I get what you're saying. There's, I guess there's two answers to that. Are you asking 
realistically what I think could happen? Or are you asking like pie in the sky dream type shit? Let's do both. Let's let's lead off with the pie in the sky. I mean, obviously everybody's thinking the same thing all the time. I want to be doing arenas. And, you know, I mean, of course, that's honestly, you're probably not going to believe this because I don't think I've ever talked to you about this as tight as we are. But I've never said this to you. Honestly, my like you just want to do cruise ships. Me too, brother. (laughs) Something about being able to get all the ice cream you want at any time. (laughs) Not after our death cruise for Christmas that one year was a fucking disaster. No, I would love to believe it or not, just get popular enough to like get on a sitcom or a movie. I'd really like to try acting. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. No one's ever thought about that before. <laughs> no, I mean, I know a lot of people have, but you probably didn't think I would want to do that because I've never mentioned it before ever. But I think like a, a, a runner on a sitcom, just a just a like the fat, ugly husband who has the super smoking hot wife and does something, you know, that I, fucking, I would love that because like <laughs> the Kevin James. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kevin James. That's the dream. I would love to. I think. This it makes me feel like such a fucking idiot when I talk like this, but I don't think I could do the road forever. You know, <laughs> I just I don't know. I don't see. I don't think no matter how good you are at comedy, the greatest comedians of all time, it's still a rise and fall of popularity. Like they're going to get huge for a while and make a fortune and then they kind of die off a little bit. And sometimes they'll make a resurgence and stuff like Chappelle's done right now. But most of the people, they hit their peak. And then they kind of wane off like Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart is a perfect example. He was the biggest comedian ever still is probably one of the highest selling comedians of all time. I mean, he was massive. Every he was renowned in every person's household. Everyone knew the name Kevin Hart for strictly his standup. Then he kind of went over to movies and he put out a special that is on Netflix or HBO. I don't know where it's at. Netflix, probably Netflix somewhere. And I've talked to a bunch of people who still haven't even seen it. Right. And he doesn't even write his own stuff anymore. It's kind of just like right. he's so, doing it just to still claim he's a comedian. But yeah, I think, I think if you're going to do stand up, it's not going to be as sustainable as it would be if you used your stand up to get into another lane. I don't know because you look at certain people like, you know, the Carlins of the world like yeah. died in a hotel because it's like he just did it forever. Yeah. Or like Lewis Black's inspiring because that dude didn't start until he was like. Deep into his forties or fit, you know, yeah. early fifties, which makes me think we still got a chance. Still got a chance. <laughs> so, what's the realistic goal? Like, what do you think? Like, oh, this is something that's achievable. I would like to make money doing stand up. Like, as broad as that is, like you know, I'm, I'm not talking like ten dollars at the door. I would like to do it as a career. That's my realistic. Like, if if I can make enough money to support myself, telling jokes. I think that's a very high expectation, but realistic. Like, I, you know, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be the biggest comedian in the world. I'm not funny enough. I'm not good enough. And I don't have enough dedication. I'm far too fucking lazy to be that guy. But if I could be just good enough that I could tour the country and get booked by people, I want people to seek me as opposed to me asking for stage time, them asking me to come. And, you know, family-wise situation, no kids, so... I'd be free to tour as much as I wanted. So I would just like to be able to go across the country and tell jokes to people. That's, I mean, that's basically it. What about you? I mean, like, it, this is going to start, start big. What's your big, this pie is going to sound like, cause my pie in the sky is not very far off from like what I actually think that I can achieve. Cause it's like, 
And this is going to sound so douchey, like, oh, it's about the art, and it's about this, <laughs> yeah, and it's about that. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's like, because I've always enjoyed creating stuff. Anytime I get to do, like, you know, music or fucking building something or right. making videos, like, I just enjoy the idea of, like, taking something out of your head and making it real. To me, that's, like, magic. It's the coolest thing in the world. So, like, with comedy, it's like, I like making people laugh. But, like, right now, you're, we're in that weird spot where, like, I can't call myself a comedian. Right. So, the pie in the sky would be like, I'm known as a comedian. That's what I could like put in my fucking Twitter bio, you know? It's like comic. Yeah. Not aspiring comic, not wannabe comic. No, like comic, and the people go, yeah, that's right. That's what I want. I get that. Whether that means that I do like a feature spot at Zany's in Nashville, and that's the highest I ever get to go. But people are like, yeah, he's a comic. He's a pretty funny comedian. You know, not like world class, but he's pretty fun. Right. As long as it's like, because right now, I'm getting off the stage, and people are laughing, and I've got people coming up and telling me that I'm funny, but I haven't had any like, and this is, and you know, this is like a chip on my shoulder. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've only heard you say this every day times. for like months. I haven't had any comedians or comics come up and be like, what you said was funny. They might be like, what you did was, you did good. Good set. Good, or, good set. You did good. But they're like, oh, I think you're funny. Yeah. Never fucking once. And it bothers me so much because I'm like, I don't want to be the funny uncle at a barbecue. Right. I want to be like a comedian, like who writes jokes. People are like, oh, fuck. I wish I would have thought of that. It's the difference in like, if you're like building a house, there's a difference in someone being like, hey, uh, good job on putting that wall up versus that's a beautiful house. Yeah. Like, tell me my creation is good. Don't just tell me I performed correctly. Yeah, I did good. Oh, you yeah. did a good job. Yeah, it's like it's like checking off a box. Like, yes, you walked on stage, you told your jokes, your timing was fine, people laughed, good job. It's like, yeah, but did you think I was funny? Yeah, the same I thing used to happen shit. whenever I was in a band. I'd like get off the stage and people were like, you did a good job up there. You guys did good. I'm like, but do you like our music? No, yeah. no. I mean, it's just not, it's not for me. It's not for me. <laughs> and I'm like, well, th- I don't fucking care if you thought that I performed my music yeah. that you don't I didn't like. Any well. sour notes, but that's yeah. not what I'm looking no, for. I want to make a song that you like, and it's right. like if the goal of comedian is to be funny, I want people to think I'm funny. Yeah, and that's it, because that's the only reason you would do it. It's like if you, if I, I'm not doing it to to get fame or money, because like that's I know the odds on that. And that's that's oh, long it's zero. I yeah. just want to make people laugh and to not have to be embarrassed about it. I, I think, that, you know, I get what you're saying, but I think you're going to have to set, like, like I'm telling you what your <laughs> goals need to be. I think you got to set something concrete because that's just too abstract. Abstract, yeah. Yeah, it's like, when will oh, you no, know? That's, you- that's my pie in the sky is I want to be respected by comedians and people call me a comic. That's the pie in the sky. Okay. My actual realistic goal of what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to travel around and be able to get on at clubs. So basically like, what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, even if it's not like getting paid for it, like that's the shitty part about it. Like my realistic goal is like, I'm going to be able to show up in places and be like, oh, we saw your 10 minute set in your headshot. You can come to our open mic. I'm like, cool. Well, I mean, you'll hit that goal within this year probably. Maybe not. We don't know. I mean, yeah, but you got to set it a little higher. You, you, be better. Be better. <laughs> you could be better than that. Or like, what is kind of cool is like, and like, I, I hope... The guy who owns the club never listens to this. Sean, if you're out there. <laughs> because it's like... Hey, Sean. It's... Because uh, like he's got all these traveling comedians that come through, right? Yeah. And it'd be fucking cool. It'd be so cool. This is like that dream, you know, where you, you know, you're you uh, fucking at a concert and they ask you to come up on stage or whatever. Yeah. Or somebody sees you singing karaoke and they're like, uh-huh. oh, hey, you want a fucking record deal? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. It's like if one of those traveling comedians came through and was like, hey, who's that guy that you had featured for me? <laughs> or they pop into an open mic and they see me and they're like, oh my God. They're like, hey, that guy right there. Can I get his information? Right. I need an opener who can do like a tight five for these dates. And I just get brought on. Because that feels realistic. Yeah. Because it feels like, happen. hey, if some relative no-namer, like an E-list comedian yeah. is coming through, 
and he needs somebody in the area because his opener got sick or whatever the fuck, yeah. or he can't afford to pay an opener and just yeah. needs a dude who's anxious for stage time. I'm like, I'll be the dude to work. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be a guy. I, I will work gratis. <laughs> That's a fancy way of saying free. In case you don't speak French or Latin or whatever that is. Um, I have a. You might have the same thing. I don't know if we've talked about it or not, but I have, like, I have steps. I have like goal steps. Like the next big thing. Yeah, like, I got a pedometer too. Fitbit. <laughs> I just throw the washing machine and let it go. <laughs> oh, waterproof. Yeah. Big spender. Yeah, I let it just go. And then it's like, hey, you hit your goal. And I'm like, didn't even break a sweat, brother. <laughs> well, I did, but that's because I was watching that cake show and I got real hot and bothered by it. Uh, I would love to, <laughs> like, the next time I celebrate something in comedy, the next time I'm like, you know, it was a big deal to go on stage the first time I do my first open. God, to be hot and bothered. <laughs> <laughs> you ever just think about old phrases i'm hot and bothered it's like it's not yeah. that you're hot but you're also upset about it well i'm think, all hot and bothered well, that makes me want to touch myself i think i think that's a different definition of bothered okay like, have you ever been horny and been like gosh i'm annoyed about this because when i think you're that's bothering what I'm saying. Me, i think you're defining bothered as the same way that you think bothered is but i think in that context there's a different de- definition for bothered. yeah but it's stupid because words mean what they mean and bother like hey you're bothering I think me. there's alternate definitions for bothered hey you're bothering me and it's hot in here what a fuck <laughs> <laughs> no i think it's bothered like like you know how british sometimes they'll say i can't be bothered oh, i couldn't be bothered it's not like you can't annoy me. It's like, I don't have time for that. I think there's other definitions, and one of them is dick hard. I think that's what bothered means. It just, just fart up, you know? <laughs> anyway, my next big, like, to go on stage for the very first time and do an open mic and get laughs and get off stage with people like, you're really funny, and then you get that whole dick-sucking thing where it's like, how many times have you done this? And you're like, oh, it's my first time. I'm like, no way. Which a lot of them are just doing that to be nice, I'm sure, but still I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I'm built fucking different. My next big celebration is going to be the first time I make money. I don't care if oh, it's a dollar. That, that's what I, like, here's the shitty thing, too, because like I got asked to do one of those opening spots, like my fourth time up on stage, and yeah. Sean just asked me to go up and... and I don't even know if there was a tra- I don't think there was a traveling comedian. I think it was like a showcase of local people. Yeah. And he asked me to go up. He said, "Hey, I'm getting all the comics pizza tonight." And I'm like, "I'm a comic? Yeah. And I'm getting paid with pizza? Fuck it, that's money." It's Well, he calls us all comics on the improv night too, so settle down. Yeah, but 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 <laughs> but he said comics. I'm getting the comics pizza. Yeah. And I'm like, "I'm about to get paid. Here's the problem. Got too nervous. Couldn't eat the fucking pizza." You feel so like you I deserved it? <laughs> no, I just couldn't get it down. I was so nervous about going up. That I was like, oh, there's no way. So I can you eat didn't anything. accept payment. So you're still an unpaid comic. I'm still an unpaid comic. Yeah, even though your first payment was pepperoni. So I told him, I'm like, dude, next time you need me to go up for somebody and it's not an open mic, just write me a check for a fucking dollar so I can say that I'm a semi-professional. Yeah, comedian. but that's cheating. That's cheating. No, it's like not. That. I earned that goddamn dollar. Well, okay. I, next open mic, I'm gonna walk up, hand him a dollar, and be like, can you hand that back to me? Done. Now I'm a paid. Yeah, comic. but see, it's an open mic. Not a show where I was on the Instagram post. I would say oh, the bill, but we don't okay. have a bill. It's, oh, okay. a, it's, a, it's a Facebook post. Well, the first time that, like, I don't care if it's 10% of the door and the door does $10 and I make a literal dollar. The first time that there is money handed to me for telling jokes, that's going to be a... that's Milestone, be, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a buy a bottle of whiskey kind of night. Like, that's a hell yeah, I did what a thing. What made you want to do stand-up? I don't think we've ever talked about that. Um, Probably, I would say when I was little... I don't remember. I guess it kind of ties into the very first time I ever heard stand up. Like, 
and knew that it was a guy just telling jokes. I mean, you know, you hear those like old storytellers and stuff when you're real little. Jay Clower. Yeah, stuff like that. I, I, I remember those people, but I don't, I remember the very first time being old enough to understand that this guy's purpose is to tell jokes. Yeah. It's entertaining not, with just it's not a voices. funny TV show or something like that. Like, because I and like I remember laughing at like Jerry Clower just because he would make funny noises. Yeah, no idea what the fuck he was doing or what his purpose was. Right. And I remember very first stand up comedian I ever heard that I knew was a stand up comedian was Jeff Foxworthy. And I mean, where we grew up, that's huge. Yeah, we ever, had, I mean, he was enormous. We had the you know I remember the cassette. And I remember whenever we were in middle school. You and me both got mad because the dude fucked the joke. <laughs> yeah, like hey, if you're if you're gonna tell the greats, buddy, you're gonna learn how to do it. But I remember I made my mom buy me uh, Jeff Foxworthy's "Totally Committed," and I can still remember the album cover on the cassette tape was a dude on his knees getting married. Like I guess it was. Isn't there some like cultures where you like are on your knees in front of the preacher? I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, it's a dude on his knees in front of, I think it's Jeff Foxworthy, on his knees, and he's got cowboy boots on, and on the bottom of his boots it says, send help. And I will never forget that album cover because I wore two of those cassettes out every day on the way to school and way home because I lived like, you know, half hour from the school. Mm-hmm. So every day on the way to school and the way home, all I did was put that shit on repeat constantly. I had every one of his jokes memorized, and I remember talking to my mom about it i'm like isn't it crazy that his job is to make people laugh like that's it that's all he does i mean of course he had tv shows and shit later in life but at that time in like 96 i guess or so yeah and then kings of comedy came out and then blue collar comedy came out yeah which we watched kings of comedy and like it was hilarious but it's you can't really go recite burning back to your teacher no no you can't even though it's funny. It's hilarious. And a lot of those jokes went over my head, too, because I didn't have like that culture. I didn't have any idea what some of those jokes meant, but the ones that I did get were hilarious. Dude, those were all the comedians we listened to growing up because it was like the kings of comedy and like how they talked about growing up. And I think it was like, you know, they, they say it's like a hood thing, but I think it's just like y'all grew up poor. And it's like, just a poor thing. Yeah, yeah. We grew up poor as well. So when y'all talk about like. Yeah. Hood and white trash are like the same neck. shit. It's identical. Terrible music. You waste too much money on putting wheels and tires on your car. But just one's yeah. a truck and one's a, you know. Caddy. Crown Vic. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's stereotypical. Yeah. Anyway, the thing that got me into it to begin with was the fact that I was obsessed with Jeff Foxworthy. Thought he was awesome. Everything he said was hilarious to me. I still could probably recite 90% but like, that- of it. Exactly, make you want to do. Yes. Like, I want to do what he's doing. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I talked to mom about it, and I was like, "That's that's all he does." And she's like, "Yeah, he's a comedian." And I'm like, "That's crazy. He doesn't have to like go to work Monday. He just goes on stage and tells jokes." And I don't even think I knew that he was doing stage. I thought it was just straight to tape. Like I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. And I just I remember, did too, like imagine him in a recording booth just doing this. With yeah. Land. Like I didn't know what if they ripped it off of a because you know sometimes you'd listen to a cassette and then you'd see like the. I was like, is this part of like a movie? Like, did they just rip the cassette yeah. off of a movie? Or is the first like- time I realized that a dude just got paid to say funny stuff. And even at that age, I knew that I was a, the, the funny kid. Like, that's, you know, at family reunions and holiday get-togethers and all that stuff, I was the one who held the center of the room. I mean, a bunch of adults, and then there's this seven-year-old kid keeping them rolling on – a lot of Jeff Foxworthy stuff. Thanks, Jeff, for making the holidays easy because I just recited a bunch of his shit. But mm-hmm. sometimes I'd go off and do my own thing. And that was when I was like, 
dude, this would be awesome if this was my thing. But then, you know. Well, like, I remember when I was a kid, my grandfather, like, because we didn't have TV over there, because they were, like, old school depression era fucking yeah. old people, like, real old. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, with no cell phones. Well, this is before cell phones, but no cell phone service, no satellite TV. We didn't get that till we were, like, 10, so there's no TV, barely any electricity. Lucky if you get a radio. So he still had, like, eight track tape players and yeah. record players. So he was playing, like, Mom's Mabel. What's that? She's an old, um, real old lady, and she didn't have teeth, and she would just... She was a black lady from way back in the 60s, 50s, and she would just, she, you could barely understand her, but like as a kid, it's hilarious because she's making all these like, just noise like, I don't know, baby, I told you. And it's called what? Mom's Mabel. When did you look that up here? After yeah. She's real famous. Well, back for her day, like she was, uh, she was a good joke writer, didn't have teeth, and like, you know, it was just a lot of stuff about that. And then hmm. uh, Cheech and Chong Records, which oh, yeah. I didn't understand anything about weed, but they just made funny voices yeah. and... uh He's a big Braves fan, so there was like this storyteller, sort of like Jerry Clower, but newer. His name was Louis Grizzard, I think his name was. He's oh actually God. hilarious. Like, I, I still sometimes go back and listen to him. But I would listen to these people, and the thing about comedy that I realized is like, and this is going to get deep and philosophical, but... Oh, hit me with it. But like, sometimes you'd be around like, you know, we had big families and we were poor, so there was a lot of conflict. Right. And I just noticed like, sometimes you're, you know, your parents would be fighting, and something stupid would happen. Like somebody would say something wrong. And even though they're both fucking mad at each other, it's impossible to be mad and laugh at the same time. Yeah. So something weird would break the tension and then they'd start laughing. And I was like, oh, that's a superpower. So then like if somebody would- Laughter fixes things. Fixes things. Like, that's yeah. cool. And I was like, if uh, ever mom and dad were fighting, I'm like, all right, let's just do something silly. Let's do something we saw on Def Jam, yeah. <laughs> you know, Def Comedy Jam <laughs> yeah. or something. And I'm going to like quote what I remember from, you know, Eddie Murphy. Because we always had comedy on. Always. So it was almost like a defense mechanism. 100%. And then I remember I didn't use it as a defense mechanism. I just started using it whenever shit got awkward. I hated awkward silences. And I went over to, you remember, um, this is dude in my neighborhood, Corey. Yeah. Corey. uh, And like we went over to his family, which is also dysfunctional, but like, he's like, hey man, you want to come over to my house and like play? And I'm like, "Uh, sure. Which I didn't really do that growing up because we grew up on a farm. Yeah. I didn't have neighbors. Yeah. And then when we finally moved into Preach. like a town, yeah. he's like, hey, do you want to come over? It was so alien to me because I was like 12 at this point. So like, <laughs> yeah. never had sleepovers or friends or, it, you know, so it's just like, well, this is awkward. And I get over there and then like they ask me if I want to stay for dinner. And I'm like, I don't know if I can't. Like I didn't know the rules or etiquette or anything. We're all sitting there and it's so miserably awkward, quiet because his family's weird. His dad's weird. Like everybody's just, it's this weird, awful tension. So I'm like. I can't handle this anymore. So I just start talking, making fun of shit, and then riffing, and just, I just want to keep talking. So just fill the void. Just to get that awful tension off of me. Like that yeah. silence, it felt like it weighed a million pounds. And I was like, as long as I'm controlling the situation, and I'm jabbering on, yeah. like I don't have to let it get weird again. Yeah. And I remember whenever I like, I take a, you know, I look up, and I see the table, and I see all these faces looking at me and they're all laughing yeah and they're waiting on every word they're on every single breath i'm like holy shit this is weird i'm like i've got i got something here i'm like i've got control over these motherfuckers like <laughs> look at me bitches yeah and i didn't even realize i was doing it i just did it because i didn't want it to be awkward anymore and i still do that whenever it's an awkward silence yeah and that's you know anytime i'm in a situation where it's like a work trip or i'm just you know even in college or what you'd be in these situations where it's just awkward yeah. and like i couldn't handle it car trip so i just start fucking talking and just going off the top of my head, being stupid, and it would get people to laugh. And then, you know, that's sometimes they'd be like, hey, you should do stand-up comedy. I'm like, no, I just do this because 
<laughs> I just do this because I'm scaled. <laughs> yeah, I just do this because I don't do Filipino actions with people. I uh, two things. First of all, growing up on a farm, away not in a town. It was you know I was half hour from everyone. I wasn't going to the wrong school. I was, in, was supposed to be in another district and all that stuff. So I didn't have any neighbors or friends that would come to spend the night. And I remember this is a, I'm such a fucking loser for this. I still cringe thinking about this. But the very first time I was going to have friends over, it was going to be two. Same night. We're going to have friends stay over. And all I had ever seen as far as like a sleepover or whatever, bro night or whatever, was the shit you saw on TV. And I'm so nervous about this sleepover because all I've ever seen is these kids who have these like on Disney Channel and Nickelodeon who have these super dope rooms and, and all these parents that love each other <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and all these cool games and, and stuff food in the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. And they don't have to be like, hey, can we watch TV? Hang on. Let me pretend to call my dad. Cable's out again. I mean, are you you gonna have to call them, Dad, and get them to fix it? I'm telling you, you need to see if you can get a credit on the bill or something. This is just this, tell them we're gonna switch to Dish. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like you know, just like I'm sure I don't have to I don't have to guess. I know growing up, your home was always in a state of repair. That, oh yeah, that never got repaired. So I'm sitting here thinking about the floor in my bedroom and how all the tiles peeling up on it. It's like like pill and stick tile, and I'm like, they're just that's just subfloor. That's <laughs> and I've got these two buddies coming over, and I got so nervous and so scared that it wasn't going to go like it's supposed to on Nickel. I didn't know what like a real one was like. I'd never been to one. I was having them over for my first experience, and it was shout out Brad and Chase. They are in the car. My mom picks them up, then comes to pick me up from my grandma's because that's who babysat me during the summer and all that. She comes to pick me up, and I won't go home. I stayed the night at my grandma's while two friends went and spent the night at my house. What? Yeah, I was. I was like, I can't do it, and I was just like, I don't. I don't want to leave. I'm gonna stay here. And my mom's like, you, you, you have friends coming over. I'm like, just take them home. I'm not going. And my mom was super cool about it. She was like, why? And I was like, I just, I, I just want to stay here tonight. I just, <laughs> I love Nana. And we had this whole Lion King and popcorn thing planned out, and I'd really hate to disappoint her. So I'm just going to chill here. And I was, I mean, I was super young. I was like six, but I just, I remember that. And I'm like, why would I do that? So weird. <laughs> so fucking like, hey, weird. boys, why don't you just sleep in this person's room who's not here? <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> took them home. They oh, played man. my Nintendo 64 on my super shitty TV on my subfloor floor with like a broke down piece of shit, hand me down bed and had a time of their life apparently because they came back. <laughs> so oh, man. we stayed friends. It wasn't super weird for them for whatever reason. They're like, oh yeah, I get it. Yeah. It was weird because my house was centrally located because we grew up on a farm. Yeah. And then financial things kind of made that impossible. Right. Yeah. You know, the bank said, you can't live here anymore. And they took like, it. Okay, Got that's it. Fair, yeah. that's, <laughs> fair. that's fair. You're right on. Yeah. You need to make your payments. <laughs> right on. And then, uh, so we got this house, but it was like real small, shitty house, but it was in town and it was central to everything. So everybody wanted to come over to our house. Yeah. And I got tired of making excuses. It's like, why don't you have cable this month? Where does your little brother sleep? Like, you know, <laughs> basic questions that I didn't have answers I, for. I remember the first time that I came over there, and I know there's three of you brothers, and I'm and like, our parents. Yeah. So that would so require like, four bedrooms. Right. It was not four bedrooms. Three bedrooms. And it was probably my second or third time coming over before I was like, wait a minute, we're short of bed here. There should be a bunk bed or something to yeah. explain this. And it was like, hey, where does your brother's name Zach? I was like, where does Zach sleep? And you're like, oh, the couch. I'm like, 
Why? And he's like, he loves it. <laughs> that was the thing. It was supposed it's to be where the like, big TV is. It was supposed to be like a bunk bed situation. <laughs> yeah. But my mom's also like addicted to buying useless fucking antiques. And she's like, but I've got these beds that are miserable. You're going to hate them. Trust me. So I'm going to get them in here. <laughs> and then she just didn't want a bunk bed because they look tacky. And I was like, well, what are we going to do with him? We're going to get him a couch bed, a day bed. And he's like, he says he likes it. So because he never complained because he was like fucking eight <laughs> or whatever the hell. <laughs> You just like slept on a couch for a while. Yep, I remember that. Yeah, but then like, so but people always wanted to come over to my house. I'm like, could could you not though? Yeah. Like, because like the cable would be out that week, and I'd literally have to make phone calls, like pretend phone calls to my dad, or sometimes real phone calls. I'm like, I'm like, Dad, yeah, something's wrong with the cable. And he goes, Yeah, they cut it off. How, does that when you know you don't pay your bill? And I'm like, Well, <laughs> but I couldn't let them know that. I'm like, Well, man, you know, tell them we're gonna switch to dish, or I'd always be. Pulling some bullshit like that yeah. when people came over. Well, you call them and tell them right now we're about done with their ass. Trav, why is there no food in your fridge? Like, oh, power went out the other day. It was weird, so we had to throw away all the food. We had all this food. And yeah, we had just went grocery shopping <laughs> and spent a ton of money on it, and we just had to throw it all out. And then it was the same thing. They'd start asking questions, and I'd be like, oh, check this out. Ha -ta, ta -ta, ta -ta, ta -ta. <laughs> check out my, let me put on my dancing shoes, and let's just I did skate it. around this topic. I did it as a defense mechanism, too. <laughs> Hey, man, you want to go stand out in the yard and just look at nothing? Come on, it's way better than here. Travis, it's cold and raining. Yeah, 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 let's go look. Let's make a game of we it. We got a pretty sweet stick out there. <laughs> Been poking this dead squirrel with it for a while. Now. Oh, man, and then, like, also, like... You I'm, had that building out there. Full of antiques. Yeah, the one we hid beer in and... You had relations I in. Banged a chick in that one time. Yeah. Yeah, That yeah. building's... I hope they don't ever tear it down. There's too many memories in that thing. Oh my God, the shit we got into out there. Anyway, the comedy thing. I did it as a defense mechanism too, at like holidays and stuff, because, you know, split parents, because of course. And the my mom's Two side. Two Christmases. Was, yeah, it's not really how that plays out. It's like one good Christmas and then a whole bunch of awkward conversations. <laughs> so, as anybody with divorced parents knows, you, it's like a, a split. You've got your normal side of the family, the one that you're with 24-7, the one who, you know, that's where you come home from school. That's where you, your your hobbies and your interests and your life is. And then, especially on holidays, you got to go to this foreign, crazy other side of the family that you're not used to at all because they do things different and their toilet paper's weird. And, like, there's a <laughs> whole list of shit. It's like, yeah, I don't like your couch because it doesn't have that little corner that I get a sweet sleep in. When I'm at my house and I don't like that your snacks are weird. Why do you not buy name brand pop tarts? Like, sure. Yeah. We don't have name brand anything, but the pop tarts, you don't fucking skimp on the pop tarts, yeah. dad. Anyway, it was always this super awkward foreign, like other planet that you were on and the toys suck and the cousins suck. So me and one of my good cousins would just, just one hold of my good cousin. Yeah. <laughs> My only good cousin. We would just just go back and forth trying to make people laugh, mm -hmm. and you just because there was nothing else to do. It wasn't a defense mechanism. Like I, I wanted to get the attention off of other stuff. It was just that I was so bored and felt like I was in such a foreign place. I was like, well, the one thing I can do is make all these people look at me and laugh. Yeah, and when you're a kid too, like you'd always get kid tabled or some bullshit, and yeah. like. The adults are so busy, like, fucking talking to each other and having these gossipy conversations that yep. you don't understand and you're not privy to. So then you do something silly, makes people laugh, and all of a sudden all eyes are on you because kids are hilarious. Yep. I hate kids. But when they say some shit they're not supposed to, mm -hmm. it's hilarious. Like, it's no getting around it, you know, because they've got all that innocence and whatnot. And you're like, whoa, this is another superpower. It's like, I can get attention. You might not listen to me when I'm speaking, but right. if I'm being silly... 
Now you're paying attention. Now you're looking at me. And that was probably the, the, one of the few times that I liked the attention. I wasn't a huge attention seeker kid, but I remember at my grandma's house because split grandparents as well. Uh, <laughs> my, that's why I said my grandpa, my grandma's house, not my grandparents' house. My grandma's house, uh, and by house, I mean, uh, like, you know, income apartment had two stories and the kids would go upstairs and play and everybody would sit down in the living room and talk. And after a couple years of doing that with all the adults down in the living room, I would come down the stairs and everyone would stop talking and look at me. All the other grandkids could just walk into the kitchen and get a drink or whatever, but I would come down and everyone would stop like, what's he got for us? That was the first time I remember being expected to perform. Oh, yeah. And, you know, by perform, it was tell Jeff Foxworthy jokes or do a terrible impression of something or something that I should definitely have been canceled for. I used to do a midget impression. Oh, you remember in like Scary Movie? Do you ever watch that? Uh, scary was the, it was the, it was the, the, not the real scary movie. No, so the, it's the a parody off. with the yeah, Wayans okay, brothers. Yeah. There's a scene where he's like, "Does this shirt make me look gay?" And then, <laughs> he tucked and the then shirt. He tucks it like that. <laughs> My parents used to make me do that shit. And we had these real religious people who weren't related to us, but you know, everybody's related yeah. to you. Older people are just mama. Yeah, and then like. Uh, you know, cousin, even if you're not cousins, uncles, even if they're not. I don't know fucking what the dynamic is, but yeah. <laughs> white trash people just want to be family. So, Oh, yeah. And it's either aunt or mama, whatever. So that, uh, that's the first name. time I've ever bombed. I remember doing that <laughs> and it fucking killed everybody because it's a kid saying, is this sure maybe like gay? No. How about now? And then you tuck it and you're a little kid walking around. I did it for these Pentecostal skirt wearing bun like fuck people. And they sit there and I do it. Crickets. And I'm like... Oh, I must not be doing it good enough. So then I pranced around and I was like, hi. Let's go in little, deeper. Little Z snap. And I knew that at like nine, eight or nine years old. I was like, mm-hmm, that's yep. what it is. Yep. Nothing. And I remember like, well, this is uncomfortable. I don't like the starlings anymore. <laughs> you know, fuck them. You know, go what? back to church, you old bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so your kid's fucking weird. Stands in the clothing rack at Walmart whenever he's supposed to be working, Josh. <laughs> Why are you named after a bird, you fucking weirdos? Starling's not a last name. It's an invasive species. Send it back. Kill them all. Anyways, I'm sure we could talk about our childhoods forever, but we're not sponsored by BetterHelp, so... All right, so one of the things we like to do on this podcast is we like to try to demystify stand-up comedy, because when you see uh, professional comedians who are just killing it, you think, man, what they're doing is amazing. It's just magic. I don't even know how they come up with it. But since we've started doing it, and once again, trust me, we know we're ass, we're terrible, We've only done this a couple months, but even in doing that, talking with other comedians and actually trying to write jokes, you start to realize, oh, there's a method to this madness. There's a structure. There's tips and tricks and things that they're doing. So we're going to watch, what is it, Dave Chappelle? Yeah, this one is Dave Chappelle, one of his big bits, uh, The Baby in the Ghetto. Uh, You can look it up on YouTube. It's actually Dave Chappelle, Baby on the Corner. So I think we're going to do is we're going to do. There'll be a link in the description. Yeah, we'll we'll link the video in the description. If you're listening to the podcast only, you'll be able to hear the entire bit, and then we're going to go back, rewatch it, and break it down. Um, Doing this whole breakdown, it's not like we're trying to tear down his bit and show exactly how it was written or any of that. We're not jaded enough to think that we're good enough to do something like that. Yeah, this is just... Dave's a genius. All we're trying to do is get better at writing ourselves by breaking down and trying to figure out what his mindset was on some things and figure out what can make our jokes better. That's all we're doing. We're not trying to... Yeah, these are our favorite bits, so we're going to watch them, and it's we're showing you what we see from our perspective at two months in, and as this uh, podcast progresses and as we hopefully get better, 
maybe we'll start to pick up on some other tips and tricks and things as we go on. This is basically through the eyes of novices, someone who's just starting out because that's what we're doing. So someone who's never done stand up probably has just as much insight as yep. we do, minus maybe a little bit because we have been writing jokes and that gives you a whole new perspective. Yes, if you're thinking so. about starting stand up, you're going to be able to see what people who are basically your peers think about jokes after you're a couple months in. Yeah. All right. So Dave Chappelle, baby on the corner. Oh, there's some rough, rough areas outside of D.C. Yeah, everybody should go to the ghetto. I was taken to the ghetto one time. That's the worst. When you get taken and you're not expecting to go. You know, usually you want to know when you're going to the ghetto, like, I'm going to see some wild shit. I got to prepare myself. I'm going to see something crazy. When you're taken, it's different. I had a limousine driver. It was after a show. It was late at night. It was like 3 in the morning. I had a limousine driver. He was a nice guy talking to me and shit. Oh, hey, where you from, dog? D.C.? Word? That's a rough city, man. I didn't know he was from D.C. And his cell phone started ringing. Hold on one second. Hello? He's from Louisiana. Oh, what's up, nigga? What? What the fuck? Stole that. What? What the fuck? No! 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 Fuck that, nigga. Fuck it. I'm on my way. make a stop real quick <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. I didn't know he was taking me to the ghetto at first. I started looking out the window. I was like, what the fuck? Is gun store, gun store, liquor store, gun store. Where the fuck are you taking me? <laughs> this don't look good. He didn't say shit. He just pulled up in front of an old rickety building that looked like a project. Now, I'd never been there before. I'm not sure if it was a project, but it certainly had all the familiar symptoms of a project. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a fucking crackhead ran this way. <laughs> and, then, and then another one jumped out of a tree and shit. <laughs> and I said, I'll be right back. And left me. Took the keys with him and just left me. At three o'clock in the morning, in front of a project in a fucking limousine. <laughs> this was not good. I was like, man, I gotta look around and see if I can see some landmarks and figure out where I'm at. Might have to escape on foot. <laughs> now, this is when I knew I was in a bad neighborhood. You only see this in the worst neighborhoods. Remember, it's three o'clock in the morning. It's three o'clock in the morning. I look out the window. It was a fucking baby standing on a corner. <laughs> look at this. And the baby, the baby didn't even look scared. He was just standing there. I mean, it made me sad. It made me sad, really. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to help the baby. <laughs> I was like, mm, I don't trust you either. I'm sorry. Click. Click. The old baby on the corner trick, eh? I'm not going to fall for that shit. Where's this limousine driver? You know, I stopped feeling bad. As time goes by, I start feeling worse. Like, man, what is wrong with me? What the hell's wrong? I'm scared of a baby. <laughs> man, this baby could be in trouble. He might need my help. I gotta do something. But I wasn't gonna get out the car. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I just cracked the window a little bit. 
There's a whole limousine, I can roll it down. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> baby, go home, man. It's three o'clock in the morning. What the fuck are you doing up? The baby said, I'm selling weed, nigga. I said, oh, shit. <laughs> okay, so when you look at your types of comedy, you got like your Mitch Hedberg one-liner, you got people who do their basic setup, punchline, premise, and then they tag it, act out, whatever. And Dave, you know, he does it all. But this is clearly like a story. Yeah. So I know we just did Ron White, Tater Salad. This is another story. Yeah. I couldn't remember this bit because it's so old. And I, you know, it's been so long since I listened to it, and I'm like, okay, this is just clearly a story, and it's hard to like break down a story, yeah, because it's not like you don't know where the setup's coming, yeah. It's like this is an interesting story, and he's just really good at telling it, and he puts the laughs in there. Yeah, I think it. Uh, the most important thing about this is keeping it relatable on on a story, any story, but especially one like this, keeping it relatable and keeping the audience tied into him. And the thing you I've noticed that you want to do in comedy is you don't like really want to do a lot of past tense. You want to make everything in the present. Yeah. Like even if you're talking about being in eighth grade, you're like, so there I was in eighth grade. And I was like, because yeah. you want to keep it in the present tense because it seems more relatable and therefore people laugh. What he does a really good job of in this story is he puts you in his shoes. Like yeah. you feel like, oh, okay, he's describing it. So well, you know what he's yeah. going through. And we talk a lot about, I'm going to go ahead and get it going, but we talk a lot about cutting the fat on a story, like when we're doing a story on stage or whatever, it's don't tell the parts that aren't important. He's got more fat here than I thought. But is I is it needed but, because it's like it sets but up he the, sets that scene. So I think this is one of those stories that you have to have the scene set. Yeah. So Oh, there's yeah. some rough, rough areas outside of DC. Yeah, everybody should go to the ghetto. I was taken to the ghetto one time. That's the worst. When you get taken and you're not expecting to go you know, usually you want to know when you're going to ghetto, like, I'm going to see some wild shit. I got to prepare myself. I'm going to see something crazy. The ghetto is no different than, like, a trailer park for us, I don't think. No. Yeah, it's just like a slum. Like, yeah, yeah. just low income, the, the, low, the low education. Income area, yeah. Because the, everything he says in this is relatable on a white trash level yeah. as well. So. When you're taking it's different. I had a limousine driver. It was after a show. It was late at night. It was like 3 in the morning. I had a limousine driver. He was a nice guy talking to me and shit. Oh, hey, where you from, dog? DC? Word. That's a rough city, man. You know what that limo driver looks like. Yeah. Just from just from just that. by the way he's doing it. And the way he's acting and driving. Yeah, with, yeah. yeah, normally like you'll see people do an act out like they'll tell you what the punchline is and then they'll act that out. Like you know, she was like, blah. And like, oh, could you imagine if a babysitter did this? And then yeah. they act that out. He's just telling you the story and he's being that character. So it helps you like get into it. And then like, he's not really saying anything that's funny, but because he's doing a funny voice and he's like, yeah, there, so far up to this point, there's the, not only, like, the only joke has been, you don't want to get taken. taken to the, yeah. Know, Cause you, which yeah. isn't even really like a, a, a super deep joke, but, it's everyone has an experience like that. Yeah. Everyone has an experience where you got put in a situation where you weren't expecting it. And so he's got the relatability thing mm -hmm. going already. And his cell phone started ringing. Hold on one second. Hello? Oh, what's up, nigga? What? What the fuck? Slow down. What? What the fuck? No! 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 Fuck that, nigga. Fuck it. I'm on my way. Woo. 
So he's getting a good laugh here. And there's like, that wasn't even a joke. He just took his, because no. he did so good with the act out. He took his character, who was, how soft spoken like this, man, to no. Yeah, he got, I think a lot of that laugh comes from, I've been in that situation before. You Usually the voice isn't, hey, man, it's like, hey, I tell you what, like I've been to that, like where you're driving with some guy and he's like, no, nah, fuck that bitch. No, nah, man. No. Nah. And then he literally yeah. same situation. I got to make a stop. And you're like, oh, shit, this yeah. is not what I want to be a part of right now. So it's I think that act out right there is funny just because people relate to it as well. I mean, he, the voice is funny and going from soft spoken to loud, but I think a lot of it has to do with people have been put in yeah. a situation where they know what's about to go down. Regardless, they know he already set up that we're going to the ghetto. You're going to be taken to the ghetto and yeah. you're being taken because this dude's having, and now he's telling off. you how he got here. So yeah. everyone just realized this limo driver is the guy taking him to the ghetto. So it's starting to come together. Yeah. He's getting claps though. Did you notice he, this is like deep breakdown stuff, but did you notice that while everyone was still cheering, he went on with the joke? He stepped on the cheer to get to a laugh. Yeah, because I think he knew. He's like, I don't want you clapping for me. I want you laughing. Because this is something we talk about a lot is like clapping, like these applause breaks. Clapping is voluntary. Yeah, it's voluntary. It's like you have to actively decide to put your hands together. But laughing is involuntary. Someone makes you laugh. Yeah. But he was like, he was getting that cheer from the acting out and the guy going crazy. And right in the middle of them still cheering for him, he shuts it down mm-hmm. and brings a laugh out by saying, we yeah. got to make a stop real quick. I don't think he would step on a laugh, but I think he would step on a cheer because he's yeah. like, all right, let's get this back to what it's supposed to be. And I didn't know he was taking me to ghetto at first. I started looking out the window. I was like, what the fuck? Was gun store, gun store, liquor store, gun store. Where the fuck are you taking me? To where we grew up. This don't look good. But see, that's he just funny shit. because it's like, you know, he's painting the picture like this is probably before people started making like, you know, talking about what a ghetto looks like. Yeah. It's like you see like cash for check places, liquor stores, gun yep. stores. So it just pulled up in front of an old rickety building that looked like a project. Now, I never been there before. I'm not sure if it was a project, but it certainly had all the familiar symptoms of a project. That's I think good. that's that's I think that's the first joke. Yeah. Like up to this point, he's just been a really good storyteller, really good at acting out. Uh, bringing the story back around, letting you know what's going on. Realization moments where the audience is like, oh, now I know what's going on. That's the first time he's did a joke, and it's a, it's a fucking great joke. Yeah. The project symptoms. Yeah, so he's like, and then he said a funny word, and it was like something you didn't expect. And now here typically comes the point where after he makes his point, had all the familiar symptoms of the project is when he should do an act out of what he just stated. Yeah. It it had all or, the, or tag it up. Yeah, it's like, well, okay, he said it has all the symptoms of a project. So like what are the symptoms? And yeah. that's what he should go into. He does. Uh, a fucking crackhead ran this way. <laughs> and, then, and then another one jumped out of a tree and shit. <laughs> and I said, I'll be right back. And left me. Took the keys with him and just left me. At three o'clock in the morning, in front of a project in a fucking limousine. At that point, I think first time I heard this bit, I know. Um, even rewatching it again, at that point right there, I forgot he was in a limo. Like 
that I think that's why he tag yeah that like brings it back. It's and like, it's important too because it's like that's not the car you want to be right, in. Yeah, yeah. Now now you know this person sitting in here has money. He doesn't have to go in and say that though. I like that. He doesn't say that means I have money and now people are probably going to try to rob me. He's just like that's a bad situation. Everybody knows what's going on. Giving the audience credit to figure something out. This was not good. I was like, man, I got to look around and see if I can see some landmarks and figure out where I'm at. I might have to escape on foot. And see, that's just something I, I think good comedians do too. Is like I said, I might have to run. I might have to flee. He said, escape on foot. Yeah. It's just stating the obvious in an unconventional way. Sometimes that's all you need to get yeah. people to laugh. Escape on foot. Yeah. yeah. Like Instead the of, same thing with symptoms I of a project. I might have to run. Yeah. It, like it might not have been a project, but it felt like a project. He said it might not have been a project, but it had all the familiar symptoms of a project. Yeah. He just said it in a way that most people don't speak. Which is just part of telling the story. Mm-hmm. Like it, You're adding color to it. It's just making it a funnier way to say it. But you only see this in the worst neighborhoods. Remember, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I look out the window. It was a fucking baby standing on a corner. That pause right there is everything. Yeah. Where he's like, you only see this in the worst neighborhoods. Like, he's, he's building the suspense. Yeah, and if he just went straight into it, I don't think he would have got the yeah, same pause. Yeah, if he'd pop. been like, yeah, I looked out and there was a fucking baby on the corner. That it's like tension got, release. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you got a much bigger pop because he paused. It makes seeing a baby on the corner more absurd yeah. because he paused for it. <laughs> and the baby, the baby didn't even look scared. He was just standing there. And that's just funny because he's like looking funny. Yeah. It's a real baby-esque head he's doing out there, too. <laughs> it made me sad. It made me sad, really. Because you know I, mean? I wanted to help the baby. So for like 30 seconds right there, he had him rolling. Yeah. Like once he once he got the laugh. Because he's got to the point of the story. Like yeah. This is pretty much the end of the story. And now they're just waiting for the final payoff. He, he got him rolling. And then while they're still laughing, he kept the roll going by hitting him with another one. And the timing right there is everything. Yeah. I think that's what... Dave Chappelle, obviously everyone credits Dave Chappelle as a genius, but I think that's one of the things he doesn't get enough credit for is his timing. He can read the room like a freaking book. He knows when to step on it and when to not. Like he, he stepped on a little bit of the laughter to get a harder laugh, harder laugh. And then right here, this blows my mind. He just kills it by saying, man, it was sad. Like everybody's laughing and he brings them back down like, oh shit, there is a baby. Because he needs that tension again so he can break it because yeah. he's not doing setup. And punchline, he's yeah. like he could he release. could leave that part out right there and just keep rolling. But the fact that he brings it back down and then ramps it back up again—that's fucking—he's a genius. Wait. <laughs> well, I don't trust you either. I'm sorry. Click right back in. Click. The old baby on the corner trick, eh? <laughs> I'm not gonna fall for that shit. Where's this limousine driver? You know, I stopped feeling bad. Time goes by, I start feeling worse. Like, man, what is wrong with me? What the hell's wrong? I'm scared of a baby. <laughs> man, this baby could be in trouble. He might need my help. I gotta do something. But I wasn't gonna get out the car. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I just cracked the window a little bit. This is good. There's an old limousine. I can roll it down. <laughs> Even at the time this was put out. I'm is it out. old limousine? <laughs> yeah. Even at the time this was put out, he's doing like a window crank motion for anybody who's not watching it. He's doing the crank a window motion. And 
he realized it's almost like he realizes halfway through miming that out that he's like this is kind of an old thing to do so and he's like yeah and then like in a limo like limo should have fucking yeah. electric windows so he just stops breaks character for a second i like that fourth wall break where yeah. they stop and talk back to the audience yeah. and in his story yeah yeah this was typically all- like they'd be talking to the audience but in his story it's like he's telling it and he stops telling a story to yeah. touch on something that we're all aware of and bringing the audience in like hey you know you're on in on the joke you yeah. caught that and i'm aware that you caught that yeah it's it's like a almost like a Jim from the office thing where he looks at the camera. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I know that I'm weaving this web of this crazy story, but also we both know that we're still here doing I mean, this joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets a good laugh out of that too. Hey, baby! He let it completely down. He had that. to. He had to so that you set the scene of it being a silent night. Because if yeah. he d- you did it over the laughter, like the tension had to be built right there. Mm-hmm. Baby, go home, man. It's three o'clock in the morning. What the fuck are you doing up? <laughs> What's that I'm selling weed, nigga. I said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think having the baby talk at the end right there is important because it lets him, like, it's a sad situation. It's a scary situation to have a literal baby on the corner. So I think there's always that like redeemer yeah. that has to happen at some point. Here's what I think about story. That lets everybody off the hook. Story jokes too. You'll never get a story joke with a great ending. The ending is never as fun as the joke. No. Like the story is what's fun. Yeah. Like Burt Kreischer's The Machine, Tater Salad, we just watched. He just told a story. Like that ending's funny, but the whole story is what's the joke. Like, because typically a story, it's like you got to wait till the very end to get the payoff. It's beginning, yeah. middle. We're waiting to see what That's happens. That's the closest at the end of the story. to the end you get a payoff, though. Yeah, because it's the baby's. You know, it's a joke. Yeah, the baby's still said, not as funny. So weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like in Ron's Tater Salad, the payoff is they call me Tater, tater Salad. salad. But then he has tater. to tell the whole rest yeah. of the story because you can't leave on that because mm. everybody's like, "Well, wait, what happened?" So yeah. like this one, I mean, well, you're like, still is a great example because you're just listening to this fucking story of like. All this insanity that went on. Yeah, there's no big payoff in that story. No, really. I mean, like there can be because it's like you've built and built and built and built. And the whole the point of a payoff is like, you know, that's it's a resolution. You get a yeah. nice, everything's tied up in a bow. And I'm like, but you had this big, huge, crazy story. So it's also real, though. Like if it was a fake story, he could write some fantastic ending yeah. where people are like, wow, that was good. Yeah. But because it's a real story, he's got to put a bow on it. Yeah. And like with Dave, obviously, that's not real. The baby didn't say I'm selling weed. Right, but I think that's the redeemer, and it's also the let off the hook. Like we're done with this story, now. and you get something that you want. Yeah. Anyway, right. so Dave, that's the breakdown. Obviously, on- phenomenal comedian, uh, handled stories very different than Ron, but like they used a lot of the same techniques of like tension release, tension release. That's what yeah. I notice in stories is like they got to build you up to something, and then when you're laughing, they got to take you back down to square one because they got to get you back up there again. All of the best storytellers are really good at building that tension. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I'm having the biggest trouble with right now, and I know you do too because I watch you. It's hard to just sit in silence for a second, and it's so important to build tension in some of these stories. Like Ron is the master of that. Yeah. No if, one does it better than him to just sit there with nothing going on. If I'm on. telling a story and I'm not getting a laugh, because like you're used to like if you're doing a five on an open mic, you're trying to get a laugh every 10 to 20 seconds. Yeah. And in a story, sometimes you can't because you're giving details. Yeah. You're doing exposition. You're yeah. talking about what's going on, setting the stage. So if you're not getting a laugh, sometimes you'll get nervous, for me anyways. And a lot oh, of yeah, other me too, too, yeah. You'll start talking really fast to try to get to a funny point. Yeah, you know there's a laugh coming, and it's been a while since I got a laugh, so let me speed up so I can get there as opposed to just letting yeah. it fester and letting it just like sit there in that 
weird tension, nervous situation that the true greats are always good at. They're always fine just letting it marinate for a while. Exactly. Something we got to get better at. All right, so what did you guys think? That was the breakdown. Let us know if you agree with us, disagree with us, if we're totally full of shit, whatever. Let us know in the comments down below. If you like this video, hit the like button, subscribe if you aren't already. And other than that, we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Thanks for watching. Yeah.